Are you ready for this? <laughs> no. No, are you no ready? I'm not in the slightest. I suppose that's appropriate though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Anyway, happy Easter, on we go. Welcome everybody to episode 666 of the uh, Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page, I'm joined by Joe Davis. Hello. How are you doing Joe? I'm doing really well. I'm not prepared, Good. but it doesn't matter. Nobody can be prepared for the second coming episode. It has arrived like a thief in the night. It certainly has. I feel a song coming on. <laughs> like a thief in the night. I, Here I don't know that one. You do know that one. That's another Paul Field classic, I believe. Oh, is it? Oh, OK. Yeah. No, no, I don't know. I was never particularly into all this stuff, whereas you you were there. Oh, you? yeah. I loved it. Did I tell you about that dream I had about a nursing home for people who were like Christian artists in, this, in the 70s and 80s? <laughs> you Paul did. Field, the Mark Williamson Band. They were all there. Sheila Walsh was there eating... You know, beans from a can in the corner. It was very weird. And this was a genuine, something... you, this was a genuine dream. You had. It was a dream. It was, and it was sort of wonderful because all my heroes were there: Norman Barrett, Larry Norman. Anyway, carry on. This is all in a nursing home. They were all in a nursing home, and I was there. <laughs> Splendid. Splendid. Anyway, we um, have some good news, don't we? Yes. Well, we're 180 second. A hundred in the seconds. Apple list of Christian podcasts. We're in the top two hundred. We are. It actually only goes to one hundred and eighty, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one hundred and eighty-four. <laughs> uh, how can there be that many Christian podcasts? Is my first question. <laughs> yeah, no, there are lots. There are lots. Anyway, uh, so it was nice. I, thought, I suppose it was slightly encouraging to see us on an official list. That was nice. It was. Nice. How we've managed it with only basically 32 people listening, I don't know. I don't know. It's incredible. But I, I feel it's an incentive to break through the 40 barrier. Anyway, that's not all. Because um, we have at last got just a tiny bit organised for a podcast. Because we now have a, uh, a giving button on the website. So people, if you listen, folks, if you like this podcast... Uh, it does actually cost us a tiny bit to keep it going and it costs us a fair amount in time and we'd like to get we'd give more time to it so if you're a regular listener and you like it and you'd like to give us the price of a cup of coffee every time an episode comes out you can go to our website now www.midfaithcrisis.org click on the just giving button it's really going to help if you have a paypal account at this uh, moment. So click on the donate button uh, that you'll find on the website and uh, hey, you can give us a regular little amount and that will be enormously helpful. We're not going to make a big deal of this every episode, but just for those who are regulars and those that like it, we would really appreciate it if you could um, give us something towards it. And who knows, the quality may even go up, but it would certainly help buy some equipment that we need and it will help fund Nick's retirement. Yeah, it's true. It'll keep me in the manner to which I wish to become accustomed. So yes, um, yeah, no, that's if you that be that would mean a lot to us. Um, that would be great. So uh, yeah, go to the website. It's all there. And uh, yeah, thank you. And thank you. there's more good news. 
So the bird watching event that's coming up on just the 7th of June now. Um, it's oversubscribed. We got one extra person in. How about that? So that's it. How, and uh, how about that? Yeah, I know. Amazing. Really looking forward to that. I'll be sending emails to those of you who are booked in. Thank you so much. Great. That's the housekeeping. How have you been? I've been good. We uh, went to the Tulip Festival in Arundel yesterday. It's just staggering. You would not believe the Feast of Colour. So that was a, really? a very exciting thing. We've had the kids back and it's been a, a jolly Easter holiday. And we did this meditation on the beach. And thank you to one or two podcast listeners who came down and didn't stay around to talk with me because obviously they hate me. I think they really wanted to speak to you, Nick. But it was lovely to see you there. And... Um, yeah, it was just a, a very beautiful day. The sea was great, the sun was shining, and all was set for really a, a, a good meditation, thinking about life and death and life. Yeah. Great. How about you? What's going on? Uh, yes, well, I feel vaguely human for the first time oh, in, in about three and a half weeks. You know, I feel like I'm coming out of the illness, so that's nice. Yeah. Uh, what else have we been doing? Been, you know, just chilling out in the garden. I, 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 um, I preached yesterday morning, on ah, yeah. morning in church. Great. It's a good day to preach. I, I mean, really, isn't it? I mean, that's a that's a good moment, a very hopeful. Yeah, no, it's, and the church is just packed. It was absolutely rammed for, and the noise was fantastic. And it was a great service. It was really good. And, good. Uh, yeah, I loved it. It was good. And it's yeah. just packed full of podcast listeners who'd come specially to see you. Packed full of people totally disillusioned with church and singing in very low, murmuring voices. Excellent. <laughs> no, not the very opposite, in fact. But uh, but no, it was great. I loved it. I, hey, do you know, I talked about black swans. Did you? Do you know, so I'm reading this book right by a guy called Taleb, somebody Taleb, okay. Nassim Nicholas Taleb, the black swan. And um, it's the idea is behind, uh, you know, every every big change in history has come really because it's been completely unexpected. Nobody saw it coming. Um, you know, it's it's, it's the, uh, the what was thought impossible suddenly happens, and nobody quite knows why. And then afterwards, they go back and they try and rationalise it all. But really, it, it, the, the idea, and it's the idea, the, the metaphor comes from the idea that for for centuries and centuries, people have thought the swans were white. Basically, the two things you knew about a swan, it was it was white, and it had a big problem with anger management. Those two <laughs> yeah. things, you know. Yeah. And then they discovered Australia, and they discovered black swans. And nobody saw them coming and nobody knew they were there. So he, he uses that metaphor. So I use that metaphor as like the resurrection as the biggest black swan in history. Uh, brilliant. Nobody saw Excellent. it coming. And, uh, you know, and maybe that's uh, also kind of can linked in what we're going to talk about today. But, yeah, it was it was good. Anyway. Brilliant. Well done. So shall, shall we do this then? Can we can we please do this? Because it's been threatened for a long time. And of course, now it arrives. I don't want it to be a massive anticlimax. But here we no. are. The second coming episode. Yeah, the funny thing is, <laughs> ma- massive anticlimax. Well, <laughs> when you look at the history, well, I don't know how we how did we get into this? Why did we? Get, why did I agree to do this? I can't remember. Anyway, um, second coming. It's it's one of those things, isn't it, that um, dominates can dominate theology, dominate people's upbringings. Yes. So you were talking about like your nursing home full of singers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I suppose you know one of those is. Uh, I wish we'd all been ready. Exactly. La- La- was, was Larry there? Norman the was there. Home? He was there. Of course he was. Oh, right. Okay. Just next to Sheila Walsh. 
Larry Norman. Well, I wish we'd all been ready. Was that was that him? Yeah. It was a Cliff version as well. Wasn't yeah, there it? was. But Laz Laz got there first, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he wrote it, didn't he? Yeah. So what's the th- the thing about behind that song is kind of like the world was filled well, with guns and yeah, war. that's right. Yeah. Isn't so it? it's yeah, and it's 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 just this typical apocalyptic picture of mm. you know wish we'd all been ready, but hey ho, we weren't, and now. And now we're no, the rapture's swanning. Yeah, that's we've, it. We're we've been around. left behind. I had this thought about the rapture the other day. So the rapture is the is an idea drawn from Thessalonians, which is basically that, that Jesus will sort of come back, and then he, he, a lot of people will gather up, will be gathered up, will be taken back. Yeah, taken into the sky. I think this is right. You know, we'll be yeah, raptured. Well, this is yeah. People will look around, and go, where do they go? Two men working out in a field. One will be taken. The other, where have they gone? Exactly. Uh, you know, and people read this literally. I just oh, said to somebody yes. the other day, I said, what, what do you think if the rapture's already happened? Yeah. What, you, what if only five people got taken? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We haven't noticed. Yeah. We'll be waiting around for yeah. ages thinking, well, it's going to happen soon. <laughs> 12, 12 days after the original Easter or so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It happened ages they went. ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they anyway. were. I mean, it was a series of horrific movies, wasn't it? I never actually yeah. saw them, but you know, like. Well, there was the Left Behind books. Yeah. Um, I did a I did a parody of them once did called you? The Big Behind. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I did. It was about people too big to be taken up in the rapture, <laughs> or the rupture. That is the called. one time you don't want a Christian pilot. I know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> But that was very much the seventies, though, wasn't it? It, it was, was very yeah. much it, the, the growing up in the seventies. You know, the songs and the yeah. and I think the scent and um, the big book was uh, Hal Lindsey's "The Late Great Planet Earth." I don't was think it? you've ever. I um, did. I do not. No, I'm not familiar. Well, with that was very, very detailed. It was. It had analysed Revelation and okay. worked out everything. So, you know, it, it, he reckoned, for example, Hal Lindsey reckoned that there was going to be a, a war between. I think it was China and Russia, or Russia and Israel or Israel and China and Russia. I can't remember. Yeah. There was a, anyway, and, 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 you know, everything had its pattern in Revelation. Revelation was like a code to be cracked. Well, that's was that when we had all that nutty stuff about barcodes and six. That came in slightly later because in okay. the 70s we didn't have barcodes. We still had didn't people we? in shops who knew the prices of things. Oh, right. And didn't have to look it up. There's nothing particularly sinister about a price sticker. No. I mean, a barcode's really. evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Barcode on your forehead was the thing, wasn't it? That's right. And it, but uh, whereas if you went around with just a price sticker on your forehead, like six people six just feel sorry P, for you. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really strike fear, does it? Um, no, it, uh, the late great planet Earth is said. To, basically, he said that the, uh, the the second coming will happen within forty years of nineteen forty eight, being the establishment of Israel. Obviously, that's the, ah. the key, uh, one of the key things. And it's obviously all this stuff is very heavily linked in with you know, um, sort of Christian Zionism and all this, this kind of stuff. Yeah. And you talked about anticlimax. And the thing is, I did, um, a, I suppose a lot of what I'm going to talk about comes out of a book I did called uh, Revelation Road. Which oh, yeah. Now, you have written about. a book all about yes. this. So yeah. let's, let, why don't we summarise it? Well, I, I can't really summarise the book because it's... Um, it, I, I like that book, but it's sold about four copies. And so, therefore, you can get it very, very cheap. <laughs> can you, you get it for a penny? And then you no, just pay well, postage. No, well, I don't know about that. That would be secondhand. You can certainly get it, um, I think, new for about two ninety nine or something <laughs> ridiculous. Anyway, but the, the point is, um, I'll, t- I'll talk about the book in a minute. What I found out in researching the book, I looked into a lot of these apocalyptic yeah. movements. And, and they, they all have one thing in common, basically. 
they've all been wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, they've all, exactly. there's all been this anti-climax. In fact, one of my favourites, <laughs> I think, was uh, it was in 1840s. I, I think it was the Millerites. Uh, it was um, a, a movement. It was one of the first of the really sort of apocalyptic movements. It was a movement uh, developed by a guy called uh, I think it was William Miller, Walter Miller. He was a salesman from Vermont, anyway, in in America, and. Um, in 1836, he wrote a book analysing sort of Revelation and saying the second coming is going to happen in um, 22nd of October, 1843. Oh, that was the date. That's specific. Good. That came and then he revised it to uh, 20th of October, 1844. And and it was really serious, actually. People it's like Brexit. Their... It's never good. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. going to happen? <laughs> we could see but the second coming is basically Brexit from the planet, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Anyway, but he revised it to 1844 and people, it got really serious. People sort of sold their businesses and left their crops, um, you know, untended. And they all gathered, uh, a lot of them gathered in the desert for this to happen. And of course, nothing happened. It became known as um, the the Great Disappointment. (laughs) That's sounding a lot like an episode episode title. (laughs) The Great Disappointment. And... and, and, um, Out of that movement, out of the Millerites, spun the the, the Seventh Day Adventists and the Jehovah's Witnesses and all this kind of um, you know other stuff. And there's been a set, steady stream of people really throughout history, but oh, it's accelerated in the past so 150 yeah. years of people predicting um, yeah. events. I think the JWs predicted it in 1874, 1914, 1918, 1974, and then they've given up, as far as I can say, officially predicting it. But we had that bloke not long back, wasn't there? There was a bloke not yeah, long back was, who, um, yeah. car, car salesman, radio guy or something, who uh, predicted it. And yeah. So that's the first thing you have to remember. Anyone talking about the second coming, if they're giving you a date, yeah. they're either lying or deluded or trying to sell you something. Yeah. And the thing is, if you actually are silly enough to believe... I mean, imagine all mm. those... Like, if you knew for sure that something's going to happen at six o'clock tonight, and this is it, this is all you've got left on the planet. Yeah. I mean, obviously, for holy people like ourselves, we wouldn't dream of doing anything. But I can imagine that there are some more sinful people than us that might just do one <laughs> or two things they might regret <laughs> in the remaining six what? hours. <laughs> That's know. really think... embarrassing the following day yes. when you have to yes. go and say, I but... didn't really mean that about fancying they... your wife. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote that letter that they'd always been meaning to write. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, you know, the, and then you have the, the spinning out of that, you have a guy called uh, John Nelson Darby. He's uh, an Irish church, oh. the church of Ireland. He had a hit in the 1980s, didn't he? No, that was Terence Trent Darby. Oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> John Nelson Darby, okay. slightly uh, a different individual, but he came up with a lot of this apocalyptic stuff, uh, particularly the idea of uh, dispensationalism, which some people wouldn't know about. I don't care about, but uh, but the rapture. So that was the idea, as I said, that oh, that yeah. people would be caught up in the sky, and then there'd be seven years of tribulation, then there'd be a thousand year reign of Jesus. And that's still really kind of popular. In is this churches, where we get our pre millennial and a millennial and post millennial? And... Oh, yeah, there's all that kind of stuff. And totally boring. Pan millennial is the joke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you say, oh, are you a millennial or pre millennial? I'm pan millennial. I think it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> Thank, you. Okay. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. 
But the, the rapture's still really popular. Don't you know there's a rapture index? Is there? Yeah. You can go to the rapture index. There's, in fact, there's two. I think there's two rapture indexes now because I think the people who set it up had an argument and split. I'm not sure. <laughs> Because that, that's the classic thing about all this, is that it, it ends up in so much disunity. People argue about things they don't understand, don't know, can't possibly... Un- and and they, then they split up over it. It's, it's brilliant. genius. So I'll put a link to the Rapture Index. Oh, Actually, please I should look do. It up. I'm going to look it up right now. What is the Rapture Index on? Hang on, there's nothing more exciting than hearing somebody there's type. Nothing rapture. greater than, than doing a podcast index. while you surf there we go. the net. Right, no, this is, this is top quality broadcasting. This is what people pay for. <laughs> rapture really... Index, latest activity indicators of when the Rapture might happen. Oh, Here we go. This is the thing. I, uh, I did rapture think... Ready, it says. Is the <laughs> Rapture Ready. <laughs> Oh, the Rapture Index is 179 today. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you look at the Rapture Index, it ranks it, it ranks the pol- uh, probability of the Rapture on a whole load of uh, different um, sort of uh, Signs? factors that are oh, added right. up, okay. like debt and trade, false Christs, uh, unemployment, Kings of the East is in there, Mark of the Beast, Beast Government, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Anyway, 179 it's on at the moment, all, as opposed to the all-time high of 189. So, people take this um, yeah quite seriously, really. Yes. So I, I I suppose when I think about the second coming, I think there are three basic things to say. One is that uh, Christians have always sort of believed that Jesus would return in some way. That's a yeah. basic fundamental Christian yeah, belief, and sure. that goes right back to yeah. early early days um, when they thought it'd be absolutely imminent. Yeah. Um. So that's the first bit. But the second thing I think is that. Quite clearly, we don't know when or how that's going to happen because it's all couched in ultra sort of metaphorical language. We don't mm. really. Uh, um, and a third point I thought, suppose I want to make is that um, anyway, the point about Jesus is he hasn't actually gone away. <laughs> now there's a there's an interesting place to start. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Obvious, d- but good. A lot of the thing that drives a real desire for second coming is understandably if you yeah. if you don't feel particularly good about your life or whatever or if you know if you're in a terrible position because obviously you'd understand that but yeah. i think one of the things that it misses out is that actually jesus has already returned so yes. here we are we're the day after easter yeah so this is why i don't really i don't not sure i even believe in a second coming as such because it's got to be at least yeah. the third one or possibly yeah. Yeah. more <clears throat> Because what was the the second coming of Jesus was surely coming out of the tomb. Well, uh, yeah, surely the I resurrection. Would have thought so that's that's that that constitutes the second coming, surely. Well, yeah. So so you know Jesus, I th- and I think a lot of the language that Jesus uses, um, yeah. to talk about this, it, it, it could well apply to that. So Jesus says, for example, um, I'm going away in a short time. You'll see me again, and uh, you know, or I'm going away to prepare a room for you, and then you'll see me again. And people always think that's about death. They always think that's about he's gone to prepare a room in heaven, wherever that is. Yeah. You know, yeah. basically, I've gone to organize. There'll be a yeah. tray there with yeah. tea and coffee, yeah. small sachets of hot Wi-f- chocolate, Wi-Fi code, Wi-Fi <laughs> code. Uh, you know, little um, interesting walks in the area. You know, yeah. and and a TV that never quite works. But not They'll everyone, not everyone will be on suite, will they? That's the thing. no. <laughs> Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah, um, so Jesus has gone away to sort of prepare that, but actually, he says, "Well, next time, and when you see me, I'll take you there." Yeah. Well, what was the next time they saw him? The next time they saw him was after his that's a really resurrection. Yeah. 
So Jesus talks about the language of living with people of us. We can move in with him now. You know, that's it's we're living with that yeah. now. And I think the early church believed this. They sort of had that idea that, yes, he's going to return in some form. But actually, his presence is already with us. The kingdom of God is is already here, but it's it. But it's it's not arrived in its fullest form where we're finally arrived. That's the kind of idea. So yeah. so Jesus hasn't gone away, I don't think. No. Well, I, I think you say that brilliantly. And and that's something that I have thought for a long time. In fact, you know, when we when I knew we were definitely doing this podcast, I sort of thought, oh, you know, as I said, I could go back and look up an old sermon I did years oh, ago, right. The Second Coming. I come to the conclusion that A, I may never have really spoken it. B, if I did, I think I did that. I would have done it many years ago. And I'm sure I would have just done the classic, you know, Jesus is coming, look busy kind yes. of <laughs> sermon because you know this is serious not I, I don't think i'd have done it thoughtfully the way i might do now and how we understand so help help our listeners know how do we understand these these stories that we find in revelation and what we do right what, so what's um, the way what, and yeah. what does it mean for us well i i mean i wrote the when i did the revelation road book i was fascinated by the fact that um, a lot of revelation is not really about the future. It's actually mm. about the present. John, yeah. uh, whoever, whichever John it was, I think it's a guy yeah. called John the Elder. I think he was a yeah. leader in uh, Asia Minor. And he's writing for churches in that area. And he's and it, there's no point him writing to them with something that's going to happen, yeah. you know, 2,000, 3,000 years from when they're around. That's, what's the point of that? <laughs> so it, it, there's yeah. a lot more history in it than we think. He's yeah. talking, he's actually telling stories about what's happened to them. Yeah. Uh, and sure, what might be ahead, yeah. And but the language he uses is a language that uh, we call uh, Jewish apocalyptic, and it's a mm. it's basically a solid lump of metaphor. Right. You know, it's it's yeah. it's it's yeah, mixes no. sort of biblical stuff and um, uh, stuff from its own culture and, and and sort of fuses it together. So it's it's if I mean I think Revelation is much more like poetry than it is anything else, mm. basically. Um, and that's why I think get, people get so sort of confused by it and so, and, and, um, so uh, uh, you know, go so wrong on it because, you know, they'll read it literally. Yeah. Uh, my, my tutor at Spurgeon's, a brilliant mm. man named Alistair Campbell. Didn't he used to work for Tony? No, Boy? no, it's, it's, it's not that one. Oh, it's okay. not that one. Anyway, oh, okay. he said that the closest thing we have to... Uh, to the style with which Revelation was written is political cartooning. Yeah, so if you yeah. had a bald-headed eagle fighting a bear back in the yeah. Cold War, everyone everyone knew that wasn't literally a bald-headed yes. eagle and a bear. Everyone yeah. knew that was yeah. America v. Russia. That's right. There was yeah. just, there's yeah. no question of that. There's no question of anyone taking that literally. But, of course, 2,000 years' time is be very... <laughs> very understandable if people looked at that and thought, oh, people really thought a bear was going to fight with an eagle. Yes, that that's interesting? right. interesting? Yeah. What can that mean? Yeah. Like and, and the funny thing is they'll do this with some things of Revelation, but not with others. So, you yeah. know, if you take like 666, which is a, it's a quite a complicated idea. It's it's to do with the fact that the, um, the Greek alphabet didn't have numbers, numerals. It had yeah. letters. Yeah as numerous it's called gematria i think the the theory is that you know so you can make so a name a word could add up to things because it could yeah. use the same letters um so people will take 666 literally and say oh we're looking around for 666 so there's a myth for example that um there's no seat number 666 in the european mm. uh, parliament 
nobody sits there because that oh, right. would be the Antichrist would sit there. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So they take all the the people will take all the numbers literally in Revelation. Okay. Yeah. But not some of the other stuff. You know, so but, but Revelation starts off with John turning around on the Lord's day and he sees a picture of Jesus. He sees Jesus with huge hair, white hair, a sash across his and a great big sword sticking out of his mouth. Yeah. So he's basically got a, an afro yeah. and a great big sword sticking out of his mouth. And then he and Jesus it's not speaks a good look. To, Jesus speaks to him. Well, I mean, if you took it literally, the only thing Jesus could say at that point would be Take that sword out of your mouth. Don't speak it's with your mouth. Metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor about how Jesus' words cut, they slice, they they have power, you know. Um so first thing is you cannot read this stuff literally. And and yeah. and and um, Jesus talks in this stuff, but it, it also he uses images that um, come from Greco-Roman culture. So the image of uh, the parousia and the rapture and that kind of thing is also the kind of language that was mm. used when a, a king would visit. Mm. You know, he would say there were there would be accounts of kings like coming in glory and trumpets sounding and king mm. coming on clouds and all this kind of thing. We would go out to meet him. So the image of the rapture is really about a kingly visit. It's not. Yeah. About Jesus floating in on a Simpsons-esque kind of cloud and, yeah, sure. you know, whipping everybody up from, from the ground. Um, but I, I come back to that other thing. So, so I think I wonder how many um, churches have split over this stuff, over interpretations oh, yeah. of this stuff. And I, I wonder how many of our listeners are sort of recovering rapture-holics, you know, that they're, they're basically, yeah. they're, they've been really many churches where this has been absolutely taught as this, this you must follow this and that yeah. and that's the way <laughs> i love that phrase rapture holic recovering yeah. rapture holics did you say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's uh, great well yeah. i love i love revelation i love it as a book because it's so batty and 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 visceral yeah. and kind of visionary but you cannot possibly build your life around revelation it's right. it, it's just madness to do that it can speak to you in all kinds of ways. And it's perhaps its biggest power is as a massive critique of empire. And, mm. um, you know, Babylon in Revelation is the Roman Empire, basically. Mm. That's what it is. Yes. Um, and and it, it massively critiques it and, and says this is going to happen. But So it's, it's, there's a number of really good books. I'll put maybe some links in on um, which look at, at uh, Revelation as um, a huge critique of, you know, either capitalist system or empire or, you know, the power. Um, but you can't possibly read it literally. I think the key thing is, like I said, I think Jesus Jesus will return. I don't know how that, what that's going to look like, how that works out. Um, I'm not sure it matters particularly. But there's that sense of the the, the, the world will be um, yeah. uh, renewed, there'll be new creation, and Jesus, you know, the kingdom okay. of God will be fully here. So that, but we don't know when. And anyway, he hasn't gone away. He's still with us. His presence is with us day by day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I think that we bring that revelation of Christ every time we love and we bring good works and we mm. heal yeah. and get involved with the, you know, the Jesus way on earth. So there there is that real sense of bringing, you know, if you want to use that phrase, the second coming. I don't think that's a particularly helpful phrase now, but, you know, that you bring Christ with you in all that you do. Mm. So, you know, bring it. 
Anyway, thanks, Nick. Um, and thank you for all the work you put into that because, you know, that there's, a, there's a lot of stuff there. and Literally minutes of research. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm assuming the book took mildly longer. And, and can we still get the book, really? Yes, you can still get the book. And uh, it was, uh, I, I, like I said, I like the book. It's, it's, I wrote it as a travelogue. I went through the seven cities, you know, from the seven letters of Ephesus. And then I, went, I spent some time on Patmos and, yeah. and uh, seeking a revelation of my own and, I didn't get one, but I met a very nice horse called Shakira. <laughs> Great, um, nice. Are you still in touch? I don't know. She's she's dropped me. And she's not responding to my emails or anything. And yeah, and it's still, it's still available. I think so. I'll put a link on on the website. Really. Great, 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 good. Now, the other thing is we've had a lot of fun today and, uh, you know, it's been great uh, to talk about this. But I don't really want to ignore the elephant in the room, which has been just this horrific um, terror attack in Sri Lanka. And it's always hard to know what to do with those things. You know, on this occasion, it's a load of Christians that have been slaughtered. You know, another time it's Muslims, you know. I view them all as brothers and sisters, and it's a terrible, um, terrible event. And uh, I, ju- I just wanted to draw attention to that sort of persecution. You, you, I know you do a lot of work with persecuted Christians around the world. And yeah, so for those who some people don't know, some of my time is spent working with an organisation called Open Doors, which supports the persecuted church. The sad fact is that Easter is one of the key times for attacks on Christians. It's just it's just to do with profile and the fact that lots of Christians gather together in one place and and so I think that really kind of puts a lot of this in perspective because you know we shouldn't just put the 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 idea of the second coming to one side and think it's a kind of weird thing that we just can't deal with um, you know whether the second coming third coming I don't care but that, that the idea of Jesus' return as as just something put it in a corner and leave it because it's too weird for people around the world faced with terrible situations terrible disasters this is a reality this is something they yearn for and i mean i know in your job it's it, you face this almost every day in the fact that people need hope and that's what it's about in the end yeah absolutely and the, and you know that is the great message of easter i think it's the great message of this stuff about the second coming is there's life and there's death and there's life and death doesn't have the final word. Now, for those Christians, uh, you, you know, it was literal death. For those of us who are not facing literal death, uh, I think we can still take lots of meanings from this um, Easter narrative and the second coming narratives in terms of, you know, we can face the darkness and we can face the death of the ego self or whatever it happens to be, the death of a job, the death of a relationship. We can face everything that's in front of us with hope because Christ is in fact here with us so I don't want to be glib about this and I don't want to say in fact um you know I want to say firstly we surround all those brothers and sisters with our love and prayers but also conscious that sometimes how do you pray Mm. you know how do you pray and you know if you're mid-faith you may be thinking what difference does it make anyway and I don't know what to do so one of the things we do uh, regularly is the encircling prayers for which I'm very grateful to the Northumbrian community for introducing me uh, to these and I wondered if I could put that up on the website yeah, when I say I, I yeah. mean you. Oh, okay. yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. yes. So, so, <laughs> so if you're one of those people that just, I don't know what to pray or how to pray or whatever to do, the encircling prayer um, from the Celtics is just a wonderful way of praying into situations that are hard to pray for, where we encircle people with love and hope. Fantastic. So and we I, put that up. Yeah. Thank you. And, I, and maybe that's a way to land this as well. Yeah. To say yeah. that, you know, I've always thought that... Um, 
the role of the church, the wider role, whatever you want to call it, you know, whether yeah. it's your little cult yes, on the indeed. down in my or my proper Anglican church, or of course, you know, our, our role <laughs> is is to show people a glimpse of the kingdom of God, show yeah. people what it's like. And I know we yeah. get that wrong so many times. And and the funny thing is about it, it can happen in terrible circumstances. So I think what happens in Sri Lanka. Uh, you know whether it's it's churches bombed in Sri Lanka or Christians attacked in Nigeria, or they they still have a this amazing ability to show people forgiveness and love and what the kingdom of God is like. So you can see it there. And I know the church mucks up so many times, but then there are moments when it breaks through. Whether it's eight thirty a.m. on a beach in Worthing, yeah, you know where you know you're praying, or whether it's this sort of yeah. much louder, livelier service in in Ensham with a kicking brass section and you know oh, that kind nice. of stuff happening and yeah. the, but the, you know that's our job whether it's us going into a situation you know just as one disciple yeah our, we can show people that hope yeah. and and that future i think um yes so if you really want to kind of believe in the in the in the second coming in that way then as you say earlier you know bring yeah. it bring it on yeah Bring it on and bring that dimension of prayer, which is a mystery, but bring that all yeah. into it as well. Yeah. Anyway, terrific. Well, thank you very much. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, go go to the website, hit that donate button. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't go on about it too much, but no, you know, we just need to eat. <laughs> anyway, see you soon, everybody. See you soon. Bye-bye.